Ephesians 6. Thank you, Brother Don. And enjoyed the music. Thank you, Brother Autry and, and the choir. Thank you for your practice and work. It's great to hear the choir sing. I hope we don't take it for granted. Um, I do remember we talked about, especially yesterday in the teacher's training, we talked about COVID and, and uh, just during the time, I just remember like many of you, when we couldn't meet, when we couldn't have the choir, we couldn't do a lot of those things. It was so good to be able to, to have those uh, going again and very, very thankful for the choir. As you're turning to Ephesians 6, um, I want to mention uh, an announcement here. Brother Donnie Brian asked if he could meet with the King's Kids workers briefly in the fellowship hall right after the service. So if you could do that, and I think we'll be in the full swing this Wednesday starting um, uh, 7 o'clock meeting over there uh, in the fellowship hall versus being dismissed and I think that's right Donnie we're going to do that so so if you can meet workers tonight that'll be a great help and uh, it was good to see little Everly in the service this morning and glad to have the, the Silver family here and, and just congratulations all the way around for the Armandis and the Silver family and I just, uh, I'm very, very impartial now to Everly since there's a connection to Robert E. Lee and, and I'm very, very grateful for that. But um, she's, she's adorable, little, little, uh, just tiny. And uh, it's just amazing how God uh, in his great ability can make life and, and just thankful for uh, just God's goodness and God's goodness to the Amandi family. It's good to see the, the young people here once again. Thank you for your work and, and memorizing and, and getting up. It's, hard. it's one thing to memorize. It's another thing to remember it when you get up and very much appreciate that. And Lauren uh, Labee working with them, teaching, investing in them and the Bible quizzing uh, has been a great help. And also, if it hasn't been, been said, uh, Bible quizzing, a lot of it's done, being done during the school, but it doesn't. It's not limited to that, so any of our, our church family kids can be a part of the Bible quizzing team. So if you would like to, to be a part of that and you're not in the academy, now you see Brother Yusef Baker, and he can help with that. And then let's keep in mind just to pray for those that are sick. And we're still praying for Miss Kim Bartlett, and she's had to go back. I had a couple complications, and I had to go back into the doctor and and uh, so let's continue to pray for her. Ms. Susan Natalini, uh, it was, um, she got hurt her, uh, they were afraid she may have broken a, a hip or something, um, but nothing was broken, but she was taken. Brother uh, Natalini said her first ambulance ride and things that people will do just to get to ride in an ambulance. And, <laughs> but we're thankful there wasn't more um, damage there. And, and then Ms. Krista Mooney's mom, um, fell today or knee gave out and and uh, so let's pray for her did she end up going in i know they called the ambulance she she's still there and let's pray for mrs mooney's mom and then nathan key is uh, out today and not not doing well praying um he's dealing with pain of a kidney stone and that's uh, painful and so let's uh, pray for brother nathan and uh, know that there may be others, and we're thankful, again, that we have a church family that can pray and does pray. And I'm glad people talk about uh, how friendly the church is, and I'm glad for that, but I'm glad that it's a church that prays. That's uh, a powerful, powerful um, uh, statement. 
because church praying is where we do see the power of God. Ephesians chapter number 6. I finished out the Galatians series this morning. We're going to finish out the stronghold uh, or spiritual warfare series tonight. We went through dealing with spiritual warfare, looked at the armor, and then we're dealing with uh, a couple handfuls of strongholds and we'll finish out tonight. Ephesians chapter 6 verse number 10. Let's go ahead and stand together and I hope you'll You'll make this your go-to passage. When you just sense that the devil is working, you sense that there's spiritual opposition. And um, let's, let's look at Ephesians 6 and verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, Wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may, be able, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. We've been looking at various strongholds and addictions. We've been taking this matter of spiritual warfare, the, the, the matter of applying the armor and just applying it to the, the familiar strongholds and addictions that the devil can use as a foothold or to gain entrance into our life so that he can have a stronghold, a fortress. And um, tonight we're looking at the last one. And I, I know you're not going to be running the aisles and shouting. And, uh, but it's victory over food strongholds. Victory over food strongholds. And um, the bathroom's broke, so no use in going to the bathroom. The doors are locked and the gates are closed, so might as well stay put. I will tell you this, it will be brief. It won't be as, we're not going to wage an in-depth study, but, um, but I, I do think it'll help us. And especially with this matter of experiencing God, because it uniquely ties together. I hope you'll see it. That's really what we want. We, we, we're not checking boxes so that this is not an issue in my life. As much as we tend to think, if I get rid of this and this and this, ultimately we get to God and these things are going to be uh, dealt with and God can deliver us, but we need to be made aware. Looking at victory over food strongholds. Thank you. Please be seated. We're looking at this like we've looked at the other strongholds. We'll see the stronghold. Then we'll take a look at the, God's viewpoint of that stronghold. And then we'll see God's solution concerning that stronghold. 
We said that a stronghold is a pattern of unrighteousness that holds you hostage outside of the will of God. And it may vary from person to person. And some may deal with, have a, a stronghold that they're facing. No one else would even, even think of that being an issue in their life. And so the devil uses things that would be tailored for us, uses things based upon maybe our background or, or, or various situations. And so it's a, it's a pattern of unrighteousness that holds you hostage outside of the will of God. What is the will of God? We're going to look at that in this series on Sunday morning, Experiencing God, Knowing and Doing the Will of God. And ultimately God's will is that you would experience Him. And these strongholds of any kind, things that I haven't mentioned, I just picked these few, but there are a plethora of strongholds that somebody may struggle with and it really robs them of experiencing God. But maybe one of the most overlooked strongholds today is that of eating. Often it's not even viewed as a stronghold. In fact, in Christian circles, we will frequently condemn alcoholism, pornography, drug addiction, while excusing the food addiction. You know, many jokes are made and, and with respect to church and, and getting together. Paul says, I buffet my body daily, and some will say, well, that means I buffet my body daily. Some have suggested that the mascot of our Baptist churches is the Baptist bird, the fried chicken. And uh, you can't even mention fellowship in church without someone asking, so what are we going to eat? Well, maybe some of that has to do with because we can't do the alcoholism or the pornography or the drug addiction. So someone says, what else can you do but eat? And so whatever I hand findeth to do, we do it with all thy might. But eating strongholds dominate such a large percentage of the population that most health problems do stem from this root. An eating stronghold doesn't always have to show up through a person eating too much food. An eating stronghold can show up in someone who either won't eat enough food, anorexia, or eats too much food only to purge themselves afterwards, bulimia. An eating stronghold exists when food, its presence or its lack, becomes the dominant factor in someone's life. See, dependence on food can result in eating to escape stressful situations, feeling in control, gaining comfort, or even inflicting self-punishment. And so it's an easy commodity. It's an easy exercise. There's a measure of satisfaction. We even have the phrase comfort food. And everyone knows in their mind what their comfort food might be. Now, anytime we talk about this, there's always that one person or so that can eat more than anybody and never seem to gain any weight. And we don't need any amens from that kind of a person. And, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be too happy or proud about the fact that 
I didn't have enough weight on me that I could only afford one stripe in my pajama. And so I, 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 I wouldn't, we don't need to hear from that, that crowd who doesn't necessarily understand. But for most normal people, you're, you're, you understand that you can uh, struggle in this area just because of the convenience and because of the different factors. We have a chef here. And when you have one that makes food taste so good, well, that's, that's, a, that's, that's a tool of Satan. That's a great temptation. <laughs> I, I, I was thrilled. Remember COVID when um, Brother uh, Chef Cherry came and, and was deep frying everything. We were experimenting. And, and I was glad for COVID because it kept many people away. And it's just a few of us that were in there in the kitchen. But I mean, it was deep, he deep fried, deep fried and, and uh, deep frying or anything we could put in there. He said, yeah, let's go ahead and let's do it. Deep fried Oreos and Snickers and Twinkies and, and stick of butter. And just, it's just amazing. You deep fried, it's good stuff. And, um, and so that's why we're here today dealing with the stronghold of food. You know, food plays a prominent role throughout the Bible. For starters, the whole world was plunged into sin over food from a fruit tree in the Garden of Eden. We also see that for a bowl of soup, Esau gave away his future. In 1 Samuel, we read that Eli, the priest, fell backward, broke his neck because he was a heavy man. The Bible also tells us that his sons were gluttons who took food by force. Nabal was a gluttonous fool who died of a heart attack. And these are just a few examples where you see the prominent role of, of food throughout the Bible. Food was responsible for a number of deaths in the Bible and is responsible for many deaths today as well. God has explicitly commanded, thou shalt not kill. Yet every year, hundreds of thousands of us dig an early grave with our teeth and we commit suicide with our forks. In fact, the stronghold of eating leads to such disastrous ends that God even warns us not to hang around those who are entangled with it. Proverbs 23, verses 20 and 21 says, Be not among wine-bibbers. And these would be those who would be... Uh, 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 drunkards, among riotous eaters of flesh. For the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty and drowsiness shall clothe the man with rags. Here God is putting the glutton, the stronghold of food that is not being addressed and getting victory over with that of a drunkard. Proverbs 28, verse 7, Whoso keepeth the law is a wise son, but he that is a companion of riotous men shameth his father. A son in that passage obeys the law in verse 4 is wise. He has insight. The Hebrew word for wise in verse number 2 is, is translated understanding in, in Proverbs 28 and verse 2. And so he's telling us, in Proverbs 23, verses 20 and 21, that associating with gluttons is foolish. It shows a lack of insight, for it can start a person on the path of, listen, because of gluttony, we can start on the path of drunkenness, laziness, and ironically, even poverty. That's the wisdom of Proverbs. 
Proverbs 28 and verse 7 goes on to explain that a gluttonous son brings disgrace to his father, whereas it implies that a discerning son brings joy to his father. Now, food is the object of eating strongholds. It's food, but it's not the cause. Food is the object, it's just not the cause. Food is merely the symptom. And I think Paul brings clarity to this in his letter to the church at Philippi. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 18 through 19, he says, For many walk, of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping, that they're enemies of the cross. So he's speaking of those that are not uh, ambassadors of Christ, but they're enemies of the cross. He says, verse 19 of these enemies, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame. It's in their shame, who mind earthly things. So those verses, verse 18 and 19, is there to uh, give explanation to the enemies of the cross. And so he gives three descriptions. First, their God is their stomach. They had in mind only their physical desires and unrestrained gluttony. Romans 16, verse 18. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. The other description of these false teachers is their glory is in their shame. And third, their mind is on earthly things. And so the, the irony that the... Gluttony is built into that as a description of those that are an enemy of the cross, not suggesting that those who are gluttonous are enemies of the cross, but saying that these enemies of the cross, this is what Paul says you'll find in their life. Again, the problem is not a food problem. The problem is a God problem. Paul compares the stronghold of an uncontrolled appetite to that of an idol whose God is their appetite. Many of us say that we would never bow to an idol, but when we give in to the demands of our appetite or we do not permit ourselves to eat, we have essentially bowed to an idol. We have placed food in the position of preeminence in our lives that only God should hold. It's not a food problem, it's a God problem. Food is the object of the stronghold, it's just not the cause. That's the stronghold. Number two tonight, would you notice God's viewpoint? And I know it seems like we gave a little bit of God's viewpoint in the stronghold, but what we were clarifying was that it is a problem, it is a stronghold. And God's viewpoint. But Paul directs us to the Old Testament as an example of how God views misplaced desire or even idolatry. And we can read about this in the example of the Israelites in the book of Psalms. Psalm chapter, I believe it's chapter number 78. And we find the Israelites, they're complaining against God in the wilderness after being set free from the Egyptians. And so they spoke against God and they said, Can God... Furnish a table in the wilderness. 
Behold, he smote the rock that the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. Can he also give us bread? Can he provide flesh for his people? Therefore the Lord heard this and was wroth. So a fire was kindled against Jacob and anger also came up against Israel. Man did eat angels' food. He sent them meat to the full. He rained flesh also upon them as dust and feathered fowls like as the sand of the sea. He let it fall in the midst of their camp, round about their habitations. So they did eat and were filled, for he gave them their own desire. They were not estranged from their lust, but while their meat was yet in their mouths, the wrath of God came upon them and slew the fattest of them and smote down the chosen men of Israel. That is Psalm 78, verses 19 through 21, verse 25, verses 27 through 31. So that's the Old Testament. And Paul references back to the time of, of the, the Israelites, but he also dealt with it in the first letter to the church of Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 10, 5 through 7, it says, But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted, neither be idolaters. As were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. So what does all this mean? Well, in the midst of all this, some things that God is trying to get across, we just don't associate it with the eating aspect, but the truth is we're not to place the desire for food or the desire to control food above God. We're not to place our desire for food above God. In fact, God tells us how we're to view food. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Now, food must be brought into its proper perspective, and that's underneath the purposes and the program of God. And here we are, we're at the third point. It's not as painful as what you thought it would be, is it? Some of you can breathe, you haven't taken a breath yet. Number three, God's solution to this. Your God... Your idol is whatever you obey. That's why even if we don't hit, if I, I haven't covered your stronghold, your God, your idol is whatever you obey. If food calls you to obey and you obey it outside of God's will for its natural use in your body, you've made food an idol. Now what's the solution? Let me give you three things that I believe that God has provided us as a solution to dealing with the, the food stronghold. Remember, food's the object, it's not the cause. And it's really not a food problem, though it's a food stronghold, but really it's a God problem. We're not experiencing God. But listen to these three thoughts that could help us in the solution. In fact, let's do this. Take your Bible and go to Titus 2. Titus chapter number 2, and I want you to see this with me.
Your God or your idol is whatever you obey. In Titus chapter 2, verse 11, it says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. What is the, the first dynamic to this solution to the food stronghold? Well, Paul says that the solution is grace. It's grace. Remember, grace is what God does for you. When we focus, and I, I've been there when we focus on the diet more than we are God's grace, we're focusing on what we can do. Cutting back on this, eating more of that can really fall under law. It can last a minute, but it rarely lasts long because law does not lead to life. The first principle of the grace diet is that you've got to recognize you're uniquely created by God to bring glory to God because you belong to God. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 20, for you're bought with the price. Therefore glorify God in your body. You wouldn't walk into um, an expensive place and... This, this beautiful place downtown Atlanta of architecture and spray graffiti all over the walls. Not unless you were Antifa and not unless you lived in New York and Chicago or Seattle. And there you just think that's what you're supposed to do. And, and shame on the, 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 the leadership that lets them do it. And, but typically most people would think we well, just don't go and do something like that. But why would we do it with the bodies that God created, that, that God owns, that God says you've been purchased with a very high price, the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. We heard it sung about that tonight. You're not a closeout special. You are not a, an item on the sale rack. God paid top dollar for you, and he wants you to treat your body in a way that reflects his value. Not only that, but he's designed you with your individual qualities so that you can bring glory in a way that no one else on earth can. And when you view and value your body as a tool for reflecting God's glory, it becomes difficult to surrender your body to anything that might bring damage. But grace is the answer. There's a second dynamic within this. And that is, you must move from self-discipline to spirit discipline. Let me explain. We've gone through Galatians, where we've been talking about the power of the Spirit. We're now in the Bible study series, talking about experiencing God. Diets are usually tied to willpower. There is a place for willpower, but it's not as much willpower as it should be will permission. Because it's not our power that is the answer, it's God's power. And so it's will permission to get us to the Spirit's power. The problem with the willpower 
And the problem with just dieting alone is that the human will is limited, whereas God's power is not. Even though you want to stop giving in to that piece of cheesecake or that fast food favorite, you may feel unable to will yourself to do it. I'm going to tell you, God's grace supplied through the ongoing presence of the Holy Spirit to your spirit will enable you to have a power beyond your will and a lasting power. When the Holy Spirit's power is supplied through grace, he aligns your thinking under God's viewpoint that your body is here to glorify God. Food then becomes a means to an end. Once these first couple principles have been put in place, you're here to glorify God and your body and that you in your body and that you need the spirit's discipline instead of self-discipline. All of this is done by God's grace. It gives us this last component. And that is, well, let's turn over to 1 Timothy 4. 1 Timothy chapter number 4. First Timothy chapter four, verse one. Now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with, what's the word? Verse 5, notice this, verse 5, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Here's the third dynamic. We need God's grace, enabling power. We need to recognize self-will it's self-discipline has a part, but ultimately it's to get us to the Spirit's discipline, which has no limit. And here's the third dynamic. Sanctify mealtime. Sanctify mealtime. He uses that word, verse 5, it is sanctified, talking about the eating, by the word of God in prayer. Something is sanctified when it's set apart for a special purpose. Sanctification as it relates to food simply means turn your meal time into a spiritual time. You, re, you receive your food, whether a meal or a snack, do so in the spirit of thanksgiving. You remember what God's word reveals as your purpose is to bring him glory. It's we ask in the rote prayer that we often give or bless it to our bodies. We don't even know what we're really asking many times, but ultimately we're to bring glory to the one who purchased us at a great price. These things change the way you approach food. Instead of eating to satisfy your flesh, your emotions or your desires, Eat to satisfy God's destiny in your life. 
In other words, find ultimate satisfaction in Him. Let, let the food of the Word of God be your comfort food. You say, that just doesn't even sound appealing. When you experience God, it will become appealing. You recognize God and His position over you because of, of coming with a different mindset, recognizing that if I have a food stronghold, food is the object, it's not the cause. My ultimate problem is not a food problem, it's a God problem. I need to experience God. I need the grace of God. I need the Spirit's power. And I need to recognize that whatever I do, whether I eat or drink, it's a sanctified opportunity. And when you recognize that, you can pray and ask the Lord's help. You can pray something like this, Lord, I thank you for this food and also for my body, which you have given to me. I don't want to dishonor you by what I put in it. And I don't want to, and I want to bring you as much glory as I can. So will you have the Holy Spirit convict me and let me know when I'm eating too much? Will your Holy Spirit control my thoughts so that I will feel uncomfortable when I've gone too far with this food or when I turn to food to meet a spiritual need that you want to meet in me yourself? Your word says you will give me anything I ask according to your will. And because I know this prayer is according to your will, I'm trusting that you will do this. And I'm thanking you in advance in Jesus' name. Amen. Friend, if you have an eating stronghold, I know what you're facing. I, I enjoy good food as much as anyone else. And, and I recognize that until we move from um, just simple um, plateaus of convenient plans and we move to Bible principles, we're not going to get any further along. And the fact that some have been on the same diet for 10 years and you've only lost a, a few pounds where others maybe have lost 50 pounds, but they've gained back 70 pounds and we're playing around with something that, that is, you say, it's not that big a deal. Well, but the fact if we're losing in the area of a spoon and fork and what goes into our body, I'm telling you, we're losing in other areas as well. It's stewardship. And if food controls you, your appetite controls you, what else is it that's going to control you? God's word is truly the way to overcome any stronghold in our life. Grace, it simply means you come to God and you say, God, I can't do this. I can't give this up. This one is bigger than me. I may be big, but this is bigger than me. But because I am yours, please let your Holy Spirit loose in me so that whatever I eat or drink, it is done to bring you greater glory and to maximize this temple that you have given me while I am on earth in order that I may serve and enjoy you the rest of my life. Experience God. Let's stand together, please.